This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. This is the second episode in a very special six-episode Q&A series that we are doing here on the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, which will be in addition to our regular episodes and will publish on the first Friday of every month, and it started this past December 2015, and it'll run through May 2016. And these episodes are brought to you by a new sponsor of the show, Worcester Polytechnic Institute's Foise School of Business, and I'll tell you a little bit about them in a minute. We really wanted to do these shows because you ask us so many questions at this point. We'll literally get emailed one or two questions a day, and it's we'd like to respond to them in this format where you can listen and get the full kind of advice that you're seeking. Happy New Year to everyone. You heard one episode already this year with Taylor Pearson, which was one of my favorite episodes where Taylor really talked about the end of jobs. That was episode 93 that we recently released. And we also did some goal setting ones at the end of the year this past December. You can feel free to check them out at engineeringcareercoach.com. Click on podcast. But really, I think one thing I just want to stress about the new year is it's not just because it's January 1st that you have to reset and do your goal setting. You have the ability and the power to start over any day. You can just start a blank sheet of paper. You can start setting goals at any point in time. And I think that's important. It's nice to use the end of year as a reference, but it doesn't have to be that way. So don't feel bad if in a month from now you want to start setting some goals. Or in mid-year you want to stop and, and kind of reset and reorganize. Too many people, I think, get stuck on the idea of January 1st. And for me, I think if you want to have success in your engineering career and in your life, you just need to be consistent. So, you know, you don't want to start high in January and then fade off. You want to just be consistent every day. And that's what I try to do. That's why I try not to put too much faith in the new year. I just try to be consistent and I know what I need to accomplish for my goals and I do them every day. It doesn't matter what day of the year it is or sometimes it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. And I think that that's important. And we do do coaching, one-on-one coaching at the Engineering Career Coach. And if you think you want to set up a session to kind of get those goals clear, just go to ngcoach.com, E-N-G-I coach.com. And you can schedule a session if you want to ask me a question about it. Just email me at anthony at engineeringcareercoach.com. We've got some great questions we're going to jump into here today. Before we get to those questions, of course, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for the episode today and for this series. You happen to be thinking of getting an MBA, but you might not have one in reach. You might want to consider Worcester Polytechnic Institute's Foise School of Business. It's a top-notch business school integrated into WPI's world-class educational experience. They have a distance education format, which features six visits to the campus per year. And their program really, in my opinion, after looking through it and talking with Mark Fellens, who's going to be on the show to talk about MBA in general for engineers, it's really an awesome program that any engineer should consider doing if that's what you're interested in and that's where your goals are leading you. And I'll tell you a little bit more about their program later on in the episode. Now I'm going to give you a quote that's going to take us right into the show today. The quote's from William Feather. The way to get ahead is to start now. If you start now, you will know a lot next year that you don't know now and that you would not have known next year if you had waited. So the point is, is start now. Start reading information. You're listening to podcasts. You're going to continue to improve and increase your education level. And you're just going to keep getting closer to your goals. But you have to start. 
and we're going to help you by answering some of these questions and jumping into the main segment right now. All right, now it's time for the main segment of the show. We're going to start answering questions from the listeners. We got some awesome questions today. You'll be able to see a summary of all the questions and the answers at our website at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash January questions, all lowercase, all together. That's engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash January questions. We'll list the summary of the questions, answers, and any resources that I might mention during the show today. Question number one comes from Chris out in California, a young engineer. Great podcast and training, Anthony. I've been catching up on the content, especially the summaries from the Engineering Career Summit. I do have a question about making the jump into management and business development. It seems to me that more skills are required for these roles, but there seems to be a lot of cheesy marketing fluff on how these skills are articulated, leading me to feel skeptical about these skills. Maybe it's just my mindset as an engineer. How are engineers generally different from other people in terms of leadership, management, or work style? Thanks so much. Chris, thank you for submitting the question and thanks for your kind words about the podcast and the Engineering Career Summit. That's our event we do every year. If you're not familiar with it, it'll be in New Orleans this year. So I think the difference between engineers and other professionals in terms of leadership, management, work style is that engineers need to be both technically savvy and people savvy leaders. And that makes it extremely complicated because a lot of times those two don't mix. It's like you pour oil and vinegar into a jar and they separate. Sometimes for engineers, those skill sets separate. They're not good at both. And so you need to figure out a way to intertwine them, Chris. And I think the best way to do this is to develop those skills. And there are a lot of resources for doing that. In fact, I'll link to some business development resources and leadership podcasts that we've done recently on both of our podcasts. That's one part of it, right? You're listening to these podcasts, you're reading books, you're getting some ideas for how you can improve your skill sets. How do you implement them? You just do them at work. I mean, there's no other way for me to say it. Think about how you're going to work with your team and how you're going to implement them. Think about how you're going to call some clients and talk to them. But the real key is, is think about it. For example, business development, Chris. If you want to do business development as an engineer, you need to be able to call a prospective client and then you need to be able to translate to them how your engineering skills are going to help them either make more money or get a better project or finish the project quicker. That's where the difference is. So you need to look at the technical skills and say, listen, I can do this job or we can do this job 10 times faster than the other engineering company, but that's not necessarily enough. I need to be able to say that we're going to do it 10 times faster for you and save you a million dollars. That's the difference. So the only way for you to do that, Chris, is to develop your business development and leadership skills and keep using them as an engineer. And you'll figure out on your own in your specific situation how it's going to help you. Next question. This one comes from Terrence down in Louisiana, engineering student. I know Terrence is a big fan of the show. He reaches out to us often. Terrence, we appreciate all your thoughts and your positive support to keep us moving. Hello, Anthony. What do you think about studying engineering online? Also, is it detrimental as an engineering student to get your bachelor's degree in one engineering discipline, but pursue a graduate degree in a different engineering discipline? Here's my take on these questions. First of all, as far as the online degree goes, I think that an online degree is okay. And if you heard our last episode, number 93, with Taylor Pearson, we're talking about how education and credentials are becoming a little bit less, I don't want to say valuable, they're not less valuable, but they're becoming more common. So as they become more common, more people may have them. So that means that more people may have online, which means that whereas in the past, online may not have looked as valuable as in person, 
that's not the case anymore. And obviously our sponsor for today has different remote options for your degree. So just knowing an institution like WPI has it, this is telling you that this is a reputable degree. So online is great. I have no problem with that. I do think that there should be some kind of interaction, some kind of visits to campus, some kind of calls or interaction with people, Terrence, because you don't just want to read stuff online for like a year or two years and be done with it. You want to have the interaction level. goes back to the question we talked about before from Chris, which is interaction and being able to interact with people. That's how you're going to put these skills into play that you're learning in your MBA or in your degree, whatever the degree you're doing online. Second question was, is it detrimental as an engineer student to get your bachelor's degree in one discipline, but pursue a graduate degree in a different discipline? I would say absolutely not. I know a ton of engineers that do one undergrad and then they kind of figure out maybe what they're doing or what they want to be doing specifically. And they go back for an MS in that discipline. And actually the best way to do it, Terrence, if you can swing it, is get your degree in the discipline you want, get a job, see how the job goes, see if you like it, and then decide which master's degree you want to get. I just read Mark Cuban's book, How to Win at the Sport of Business. If I can do it, you can do it by Mark Cuban. And it was interesting there talking about additional degrees. He said, sometimes what people need to do is get out there and work a little bit and understand what they need to do next. And that's what I like programs like WPI's program and these online programs, remote programs. You can work, figure out what you like. And if you like it, then do some kind of remote program and keep the job. So don't rule that out, Terrence. Don't think you need to just go jump right into an MS degree right after you graduate. I hope that was helpful for you. Next one's from Alan down in Roanoke, Virginia, young engineer. Alan's also a fan of the show, and he's also a member of the Engineering Mastermind, our private support community for engineers, a great way to definitely get that support you need in your engineering career. Alan's question is, listening to the latest podcast, Anthony referred to setting aside 30 minutes to an hour to make some cold calls, sales calls. During these calls, what exactly is the dialogue? What is discussed? Are you attempting to set up a lunch meeting? Perhaps my question is, how do you turn a cold sales call into a potential client or even a lifelong business relationship, even a friendship? I know every situation is unique and no answer can cover everything that can potentially come up. Just hoping to gain a little insight of maybe the first steps. Thanks for being an amazing resource to younger engineers. Alan, thank you for listening and supporting us. So let's think about this. How do you take the skills you learn? This seems to be a theme on this podcast and implement them, especially when you're doing sales. And sales keeps coming up. And I understand that in every discipline, not all of you might have to do sales, but in every aspect of life, you do have to do sales. When you're trying to get a new job, when you're trying to convince your kid to go to bed, <laughs> whatever the case may be, we're all in sales. So, so Alan, I think the answer to this, from my opinion is, and like you said, you can't cover all spectrums here, but whatever you're doing, and if you want to sell someone on something, you need to give them value first. So think about that. Every time that you want to call a client or a prospective client, and you give them one piece of value, it's going to get you closer to a sale. And Will Schneer, who's been on this podcast recently with the Flywheel episode, and also he's been on our Civil Engineering podcast, which was an awesome episode, as well on business development on this topic, he talked about giving value. We had him at our summit a couple of years ago, and he's actually keynoting it this year in New Orleans. He said something in that summit that was amazing. He said that he goes into a meeting with a prospective client and he gives away $10,000 worth of consulting advice. And by doing that, the clients are thinking to themselves, holy cow, if this guy gave me $10,000 worth of consulting advice and I'm not even paying him, what's going to happen if I actually pay this guy? So I hope that that's, you understand where I'm coming from there, Alan. But basically what I'm saying is if you're trying to sell someone, you're trying to build a relationship, yeah, ask him out to lunch. 
and say something like, listen, I'd love to take you out to lunch. There's some new rules that came out in the municipality. I'd love to go over them with you just so you guys are ahead of the game. Not asking it, you're not trying to sell. You're asking the client if you could just take them to lunch and update them on what's going on in the industry. That you're giving them value. You can bet that the next time they have a project, they're going to be like, dude, this guy, Alan, he knows everything about the guidelines. He took me to lunch and explained them to me. I'm going to call his firm right away. So I think that that's really important. And I think that that's something that you're definitely going to going to want to think about, Alan, when you start to make some calls and implement the skills. Next one's from Bernardo in Peru, Feliz Año Nuevo. Bernardo's a recent graduate and he asks, how is the best way to become an EIT and then PE in the USA? And why is it important if you want to work in the USA? It certainly depends on your discipline, Bernardo. I always say to get your PE. Chris always says to get your PE. But again, in some industries, you might not use it like a chemical engineer. So you have to think about if you're going to really want it. And that would come into investigating your industry and the companies you're going to work for. Also, you're going to have to apply wherever you want to get your license in the United States. It's a state by state basis. So you're going to want to figure out where you're going to come in the US, pinpoint a couple states, and then reach out to them to get the guidelines. There's changes in every state on how they evaluate engineers, foreign engineers. But you'll most likely have to take the FE exam the fundamentals of engineering, and then work for a period of years and then take the PE exam. But again, you have to go to nces.org and then also check with the state that you're going to hope to come and live in the US. I hope that's helpful. It's a very case-specific question. The next one is from Yusman Ghani from Manama. Yusman, thank you for listening. Hi, Anthony. I'm studying BS in electrical engineering. My question is, after completing a bachelor, should I go for an MBA? or do a master's in electrical engineering. As an engineer, if I do MBA, what kind of difference will it make in my engineering career? Again, this is a very case-specific question. I think that there are times when an MS can be very helpful for you, or a master's in engineering, depending on your discipline and your goals. But I also think, depending on your discipline and your goals, an MBA can be an absolutely dynamic combination with an engineering degree that can bring you a lot of the management business skills that can help you to become more of a manager, leader, business type of individual in engineering. So the first thing I would identify, Usman, is do you want someone who wants to be technical for most of your career? Do you want to get to the management business side of it? That's going to help you determine ME or MBA. Also, in your field, is an MS required or is it something that people look to to give you opportunities? That's important. You have to think about those things. You have to think about your goals. And also Mark Valenz from WPI will come on. We're trying to get him on here in the next few months to talk about this because he's an engineer who has an MBA and he'll talk about the importance of it. The next one is Giannis from Bahrain. Hello, I graduated from Cardiff in the UK as a structural engineer for the past two years. I'm working in Bahrain as a site engineer, although I want to work as a structural engineer. And the only reason that I followed this opportunity in Bahrain was because I believe that with site experience, I could work as a structural engineer. What do you think about that? And what steps should I take in order to follow my dream and become a structural engineer? So listen, here's the deal. You can't always get your ideal job coming out of school or even in your career. So a good place to start is one that will get you experience that you can transfer into your job. And Giannis, I think you've done a great thing here. Being that the civil engineering world is kind of the world that I grew up in as an engineer. I understand that there are direct links between site engineering and structural engineering. And I think that understanding site engineering definitely gives you an advantage when you are getting into the structural engineering realm. The challenge is though, is that you know, you're going to want to get that structural experience at some point 
that you're going to be able to show a company that you have. So I think you need to continue to think about that. I think you've made a great move. I'd make the same move as you. If I couldn't get a structural job, I'd get the site job, which is a component of the structural. It's a foundation component of building a site and important to have that and understand that. However, I think that you're going to want to crack into that structural field at some point in time. And I want you to try to think about that and think about how you can do that. All right, now it's time for the Take Action Today segment of the show. And I'm going to give you something you can do to try to tie all these answers, thoughts, questions together and use them in your engineering career in 2016 and hopefully for the rest of your career. All right, now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of this Q&A episode. We talked a lot about skill building in this episode and transferring it to clients and transferring it to the workplace and thinking about the right job and the right degree. So I want to talk to you about tying them all together and making these decisions in this segment and close out this episode. But before I do that, I'd like to offer a word from the sponsor of this series, WPI Foise School of Business. WPI's Robert A. Foise School of Business states, much like yourself, for an MBA experience, an MBA-enabled career path. Built on the foundations of technology and innovation, WPI's MBA program delivers a dynamic, personalized, collaborative, and supportive environment for engineers to augment their technical capabilities with business understanding, acumen, and know-how. And they do it all through a format that affords working professionals like many of our listeners, the opportunity to fit the program into your day and your week in a way that works for you. And this is exactly what we've been talking about, building the technical skills. So this is an MBA built around a technical institution. So it's got that flavor that you need and they give it to you on that part-time basis, but there are visits to the campus to give you the interaction. So for more information about WPI's program, you can visit business.wpi.edu or call 508-831-4665. You can ask for Mark Fellins and tell him that the Engineering Career Coach podcast referred you. They'll take very good care of you. So let's think about this, about the decisions that you're going to make in your career, about the value you're going to give. There's two things I want to give you right now that I think can change your career, really impact it forever. The first thing I touched on earlier, always be a source of value to people. If you can do that, you're never going to be short of a job. You're never going to be short of that experience because people are going to say, Man, that Anthony Fasano, he gave me so much value. I want to just continue to utilize him in any way that I can. They're not going to be able to get away from you. So you have to think about that in every situation, a job interview, at your job, when you're getting a degree. How is it going to help you to bring value to the people that you have to serve? That's one. Here's the second thing to think about. And I, we did a, a webinar on this back in our engineering mastermind a few years ago. There's an approach called 101010. It's actually a book by Susie Welsh. What the 101010 approach says is when you have a major career or life-changing decision to make, you ask yourself, how am I going to feel about this decision in 10 days? How am I going to feel about it in 10 months? How am I going to feel about it in 10 years? And you could change the, the times. It could be 10 months, 10 weeks, 10 years. But the point is, is think about how it's going to affect you instantly and how it's going to affect you in 10 years. So for example, should I get the PE license? Let's just say I'm a young engineer, I'm struggling in my job, now I got to think about taking this big exam. How is this exam going to affect me in 10 weeks? In 10 weeks, it's going to stink because I got to study a lot. It's going to make me tired, it's going to make me off in my career. 10 months from now, 
let's see, in 10 months, I will have taken the exam and I'll probably be waiting for the results. So I'll feel better about myself that I took it, but still not going to be very helpful because I won't really know if I passed or not. And I might not be able to pass. What if I pass this exam? How's it going to impact me in 10 years from now? It's going to change everything because I'm a licensed professional engineer. Nobody can ever take that away from me. That's why I need to study right now. That's why I need to plug through these 10 weeks. And that's something that you can really think about. So like the example she gave in the book was that she was like an executive and she was working for a company and she had to make this decision. It was a big business meeting or it was her son's like kindergarten graduation. And she's like, listen, in 10 weeks from now, there still could be effects at work for me missing this, this meeting. 10 years from now, I'm going to be broken that I didn't attend my son's kindergarten graduation. So she ended up going to the graduation. So it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a strategy that I use from time to time on bigger decisions, that 10, 10, 10 approach, and it could be very helpful. And it's also a book and we'll link to it in the show notes for today's episode, which will be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash January questions, all lowercase, just one word, put the two words together. Chris and I monitor all the comments on our posts, and then we will get back to you. We love your feedback, comments, any questions you have, and I hope that you can really take this information, utilize in your career, and I don't care if you're listening to this in January or in May, this information should always apply to you. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.